0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Rittman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. And a good practice tomorrow, today or tomorrow, would be to continue that prayer that we sang a little earlier, um, the song that was called America the Beautiful. I love the phrase, because I think it's needed, isn't it? The the request of God to bless America and to mend her every flaw. Now, I know we don't have many flaws here in America, and they're uh, they're obviously not obvious. So... um, yeah, we need that. We need that a lot. So, Great. Well, thanks for being here today. Um, we really appreciate you being here. What Alan prayed earlier, that that's all we needed to hear today, isn't it? That was great. Thank you, Alan. Um, this is a sermon that's really not intended for you. So if you want to take a nap or you want to catch up on your gaming on computer or something, you're welcome to do that. You're the wrong audience. And that's because you're here. That's the reason why you're the wrong audience. This is really geared toward the other 7 point something billion people who are not here. Um, And I was going to do a big thing about how the digital world has changed that, but I see we're not set up on our um, Facebook right now. So that just ruined everything. But um, it is kind of interesting. You know, we you can join us by Facebook or over the Internet if you like to. And I know many of you have done that. Uh, I've commented on occasions I think there's more people following us on Facebook and watching than than what we have actually in the room. so the digital world is really kind of cool in that sense uh it has really changed a lot of things, and most of that uh as far as you know connecting with churches and stuff and most of that's really good um because you can get a lot out of that if you're at home and you're sick or shut in, or if you're on vacation and you can't be here, um, that's just a great way to keep in touch with the family and, and to uh, and to know what's going on. That's good. But I do want to warn you about online churches and uh, and church services or even watching on television. Uh, you can get the Word of God. That can happen. And you may be able to, to do a little bit with prayer with that, but you can't do the practices of the church, the ordinances, things of that nature. And you certainly cannot get fellowship when you're sitting in a room in a hotel all by yourself or sick at home, Uh, you are missing some things. So don't allow online spirituality or media spirituality to allow you to get spiritually lazy. Don't do that. We've been looking at Acts chapter 2, and uh, today's going to be our last glance at that. And it's about fellowship. So I'm going to give you a thousand quotes. uh, And if you need any of them, you can come and get, I'll make copies or email it to you or whatever you want. But uh, you're probably not going to be able to keep up with this, so don't panic on that. The church is a body of people. That's what we are. We're called out from the world to come together and be distinct. And our purpose is to bring glory to our Savior, Jesus. That's what we're here to do. Last week, we had a a very special guest speaker, Joel Gregory, and uh, and he touched a little bit on the book of Acts and early in the chapter two. And I didn't get it word for word, but this is sort of what he said about that very first day of the church. He said, This church was a community of new converts who said yes to Jesus. And they were empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses to the ends of the world, and they started a movement that reaches the entire world. I hope, I don't know that any of us can really fully grasp the significance of the church. I know we're beat up a lot, and especially today in our world the media just kills us uh, with things but I, i hope we get a little bit more of an understanding of that as we go along today that this thing that god has established that jesus has built to bring glory to him is the greatest institution that has ever been planted on the planet earth it's the greatest thing you and i go to church for a lot of reasons some of them are really good too uh, some are like um, being a part of a community, and that's it. That's that's a good thing for us to be. Uh, we go to church to pray with each other. We go to church to offer our thanks and our praise to God, worship. And we go to church to learn from those who are around us. That really is a helpful thing. A while back, it's been almost two months ago, um, I get an email from CE National, one of our ministries, national ministries, international ministries, they have, I, I, they have a new vice president there. I had served on the board for 25 years. I don't know this guy. Never met him. He's a youth pastor type. And he sends out a weekly email that is actually really phenomenal. It's really, really good stuff. And I get it. And um, he was talking about the uniqueness of the church and the mixture of people that come together in the church. And here's what he said first about... Um, I don't know about you, I listen to Worcester Radio in the morning to get the news and stuff and every single time I've heard it thousands of times the commercial for this new thing you can join with the Fox News people where you can get their information and the first quote on it starts talking about political noise and all the barking and stuff and I, every time he says that I said, that's what you're doing <laughs> that's, so stop it, don't do that well here's what Uh, I think it was this youth pastor because there was no sighting of who said this, but he's talking about the uniqueness of the church. There's a lot of different directions he goes. Listen to this. Churches are one of the last places in our red-blue state world where we rub shoulders with people who hold different political views from us. They're not unique. We don't have to agree on everything and we're also the churches are where people of different races and socioeconomic status spend time together engaging in meaningful connections also churches have intergenerational connection where kids can learn to form healthy relationships with friendships with adults outside of their families that doesn't happen anywhere i know ann and i are just so thankful that when our kids were growing up, uh, especially for Josh, he had Harry Spiker and he had Jack Stillwagner and John Sobchik, these guys, who these men who took an interest in him. And I can, I don't know how many times it happened, it wasn't hundreds or anything like that, but I can remember uh, Jack or Harry coming out to our woods and camping out there with Josh when he was a young, younger, much younger guy, and just pouring themselves into it. That doesn't happen anywhere in the world. It's only through the body of Christ that we do these things. Churches offer teaching that you really need to know. We offer programs that can help and and encourage families. We offer community where you can build relationships with each other. And we offer the practice of reconciliation the right way, the way that the Bible has it described You have to be in the same room to experience all those things. Richard Halverson was the longtime um, chaplain of the United States Senate. I mean, he's heard for like 50 years or somewhere around that. Great man, really a great man. And uh, he's with Jesus now. But uh, here's some things that he says about the church. And, And he's going back to that. Acts 2 day but bringing it up to today it's not a good statement he says in the beginning the church was a fellowship of um, men okay the church was fellowship centered on Christ of men and women centered on the living Christ that's who we were the church in Acts 2 centered on the living Christ then the church moved to Greece and became a philosophy then it moved to Rome and and became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe, and it became a culture. And then finally, it moved to the United States, where it became an enterprise. Ouch. That's not good. And, and it is true. Uh, hopefully not here. But uh, And there's others. We're not the only church that does something right once in a while. But there are churches that it's just a big business. Uh, It's become much more media-oriented and much more entertaining-oriented. One of the worst things that our church can do is to take our eyes off of the essentials. And we've been saying for the last few weeks that among those essentials are this, verse 42 of Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the Word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread or the ordinances, and to prayer. Those are the essentials that we must stay connected with uh, as a church. Chuck Swindoll said this, We don't need marketing devices, worldly strategies, live entertainment, or a corporate mentality, not if the glory of God is our goal. If that's our goal as a church, and we succeed at that, at bringing glory to God we don't have to have billboards or, or pamphlets to hand out to anybody. People will flock to be with us. But if we sacrifice the essentials of the Bible teaching or the essentials of the ordinances or a prayer or a fellowship, then we've abandoned the main reason for why we exist. It's all about the glory of God. Unfortunately, and I hate this, that we live in a postmodern, post-Christian era. That's our culture. I remember um, 30 years ago, Ed Lewis, one of our national leaders. I was in a room with him, and he and he made the comment that we are a post-Christian nation, and I was so angry at him. I just did not believe that. Didn't want to believe it. I thought that would never happen in the United States of America and unfortunately it has and it has and as a result in our culture our culture, not you but our culture does everything it can to diminish sin just play it down don't pay attention to it it's okay, do your thing whatever you want to do and tolerate whatever anybody else wants to do And therefore, when something big happens, something different and something traumatic happens, uh, people in our culture will start questioning, how can a loving God, dot, 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 fill in the blanks, whatever. How can a loving God allow a tree to land on my car or my garage or my fence? How could a loving God let my loved one have to face this? How can a loving God, it's a good question. But we need to take a step back and look at the big picture and understand that most disasters, most um, catastrophes, most bad things are a result of sin. Not necessarily you having a bad thought today and the world blows up. Not, Not your specific individual sin. But the sin nature that all of us have, that we've all done, we've all rebelled against God. And maybe instead of asking, how can a loving God, maybe it's better to ask, how could a holy God do anything else? (laughs) Our holy God has every right to just puff this world away if he wants to. But he's also a loving God who does things differently than what we would have ever expected. And it allows for Satan to use our minds as his battlefield. A few years ago, about 17 or 1800, John Chrysostom was the Archbishop of Constantinople, and here's something that he said back then: "We must not mind insulting men if, by respecting them, we offend God." I'm sorry if sin is an ugly word for some people, but it's reality, and I'm sorry if um, if you know a holy God offends you. But I'm going to do that because we worship and serve a loving, holy God who expects us to respond to him. A while back, and I don't know when this happened, there was a, um, a, a writer, an author named Stephen Carter. And he tells a story about one time he had the magazine called The New Yorker. I'm not sure, but I think it's from New York. And in there, there was a cartoon And the cartoon was a young boy standing at a blackboard and was writing an equation on the blackboard. And the teacher was standing beside and watching off to the side. And here's what the equation was that he wrote. Seven times five equals 75. Modern math. And he turns and tells the teacher, it may be wrong, but it's how I feel. And then Mr. Carter observes this. He says, that's the problem. Faith is dead. Reason is dying. But how I feel is going really strong. He's right. I mean, how do you communicate anything if there's nothing that's absolute, nothing that is true? We come to church for certain reasons church matters. It really does. I thought it was really creative, my title, Live Church Matters, because you see everything else matters. So yeah, uh, live churches really do matter. I've been saying for decades, and I can use this to any other, almost any other organization or activity or whatever, but it's especially true in the body of Christ that we come to church for at least two reasons. And the first one is really simple. These are really, really profound, but they're simple. You need us. You really, really do. You need to come here because this is where you get, and not just our church, good churches everywhere are the same. You get teaching that is so vital to your life. You need to have that. You get a chance to worship corporately. You can't do that alone in the woods. (laughs) You need to do that with other believers, you get a chance to experience prayer. And I love hearing Alan pray. Uh, I've been listening to him pray for four decades plus, almost five now. And and I love it. Uh, I love being there. But others as well. It's just a great experience to to see that. And then the fellowship with people uh, who are of like mind. I get all the people I need. I mean, I'm in other situations I can throw myself into those, and I enjoy that. They give me opportunities to minister to people, but it's only when you're with the body and and fellowshipping with each other that uh, you really get what you need. So I need this, you need this. You need to be at church. But that's not the only reason why. The other reason, which goes back to that, is we need you. We need you. We need your gifts. We need what you have to offer to each other. So if you're missing on a given Sunday, then the whole package of who you are and what you bring is gone. It's not there. We don't get to experience that. And it's always possible, and I realize this is, I'm not trying to be manipulative, but it's always possible that the day that you miss would be the day that some, let's say, a visitor comes who knew you. And you're not here to say hello to them and to welcome them and to greet them, and they go away saying, "Boy, well, I didn't know anybody at that place. I think I'll try something else." And it's always possible. Um, I don't want that to be a guilt trip for anybody because you are allowed to be sick and you are allowed to have a vacation. Although I don't like Dave Jensen going away, I never. He, I get so mad at him every time he goes away. He knows that it. it's like you're kidding me, really? Didn't you go away ten years ago? Stop that and. But anyhow, um, that's because we need him. We need each other. That's how we grow. We need each other to express worship corporately. And we need each other because we need to chisel away at the things in our lives, those rough edges. And you can't do that unless you have friends who hold you accountable. We also need each other for encouragement. That's very vital as well. So you must leave room in your busy schedule for the most important thing in your life, in the world, and that's Jesus Christ. You must do that. Churches need to be careful too. Um, we don't want to busy schedule everything. Uh, I've been I've been at churches like that where uh, every minute of every day there's something in the bulletin. If we did that realize that doesn't mean you have to be there at every single thing that ever happened. You need to leave room for family, but don't make that the center of your world. Um, I mean, it's important, obviously, but Christ is first. And you need room for ministering to your neighbors and friends, and you need to be able to do all that. Uh, don't overlook those things. Here's good news. The Pew Forum. 2019 study, that's not that long ago. And um, they say this, the people who actively attend church are happier and healthier than those who don't. That's good news. Good reason to go to church. You're going to be happy and you're going to feel better. I think that makes sense. Our good friend, uh, a great Bible teacher from the past, he's with the Lord now, but A guy named Howard Hendricks, he was a professor at Dallas Seminary. Great, great man, great preacher, great uh, writer. And he said this, he said, every Christian needs at least three individuals in his or her life. Everybody needs at least three individuals in his or her life. Someone to mentor us and one who we are mentoring and as I read the rest of the stuff, I never figured out who the third person was. So I just added, he's a friend. So You need a friend. You need a friend. I think Howard would be okay with that, but he's not here to defend himself anyhow. Here's what God says in his word about going to, to church. Oh, I have the two impacts. Did I not have that? Did I not have that? Okay, I must not have uh, that reference in there. My fault. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, here's what it says. Let us not give up meeting together, comma. And you know what? That takes discipline on our part to meet together. You all know the the story about the woman who Sunday morning called up the steps to her son and said, get out of bed, get dressed, we have to go to church. And he said, Give me one reason why I have to go to church. She said, I'll give you two. You're 40 years old and you're the pastor. Get up and get going. And, um, and I think she was right. Let us not give up meeting together for all those reasons, all those great reasons. Then it says, As some are in the habit of doing. Well, that's an easy habit to get into. Um, You know, just missing what you know is right and best. It's real easy to do that. But it goes on to say, but let us encourage one another. That's good. We need that. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That day is the day when we will stand before Christ. It's really talking about uh, a future prophetic day. But we're all going to stand before Christ sometime to give an account for what we've done in the body, whether it's good or evil, 2 Corinthians 5.10. And missing church, although it's not a big deal, I mean, anybody, you could stay home, it's a great while, and it's not gonna plague you in any way. But the habitual aspect of that has all kinds of danger written across it. I know uh, my friend Bob Combs and I have, have done things together for 40 years, and leading pastors is something that we like doing. And we've observed, that the pastor who stops coming to the ministerial gatherings where we're all really close friends, care a lot about each other, minister to each other, pray for each other, and then all of a sudden there's that one wayward sheep that doesn't come anymore, and they don't come, and then they don't come, and they don't come. And then we'll go look them up, and we'll find them, and we'll maybe take them to lunch or talk to them or whatever we're going to do, and you find out they're in a whole world of trouble in their ministries, And isn't that the way it happens? And instead of coming to the place where you get help and strength, we hide out. Maybe we're embarrassed because I'm the only person who's ever had a problem. (laughs) None of you have ever had a problem. And I'm embarrassed to admit mine or whatever the reason. We need each other to spur each other on to good works. You need someone who believes in you. Someone who stands by you, someone who guides you, someone who will model Christ for you. It brings encouragement, it brings wisdom, it's an example, it brings accountability. Part of what makes the church attractive is when Christians are not afraid to be personal and transparent with each other. There's going to be difficult times, we've faced it, but that's because people are difficult. You need to care and you need to be real. Knowing Christ involves relationship, and growing in Christ also involves relationship. Here's what happened as a result of that first day in the Christian church, verses 43 through 47 of Acts 2. It says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It said that they were in awe. That word means uh, an attitude of reverence because God is at hand. I think in the bulletin I have Acts 5, 5, and verse 11, chapter 19, verse 17. Those are situations where God was at hand and they were in awe. Ananias and Sapphira, that whole story, man, you better believe they were in awe when, when uh, people were lying to God and dropping dead. That sort of had an impact. In Acts chapter 19, verse 17, there were some people who were not followers of Christ, but they were uh, going around casting out demons. And they were saying, come out in the name of Jesus and and Paul, his apostle. And you know what happened there? They actually came upon a demon who jumped all over them and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you. (laughs) And then the demon beat the tar out of them. And, it, and the other people were like, I think I'm in awe of what just happened. That's pretty amazing. Luke chapter 7, verse 16, when uh, Jesus came upon a, a funeral procession, and it was a widow woman and her son, might have been an adult age son, who probably supported her, but he had died. It was her only son, and she had no help, no future. Uh, she was destitute, and Jesus takes him by the hand, raises him up, brings him back to life. And it says that everyone was in awe, you think? They were not all by the church because of the buildings and the programs and the slick advertisements, but because of the supernatural character of, of the body of Christ. Acts 2 tells us they were all together, they shared, there was a oneness, and that every day they went to the temple. And the reason they went to the temple was to pray and to witness. And I think they would meet up with each other. And it tells us they had sincerity, simple trusting of God. They were praising God. They would recite his wonderful works and his attributes in a new, fresh way that probably if you were not aware of this Christian movement, probably had to be something shocking to you. It's like, what is going on? We come here all the time and pray and do this. You guys are zealous. You guys are really excited about this. What do you know that we don't? And the Bible tells us that at first, at least they were viewed favorably by the people around them because their goal was to exalt the Lord. And this brought joy. Here we go with the two impacts. This is what happened for them. They were an attractive church because they found favor with the people and they were a growing church because God added to them daily. They were so unified that it was a powerful testimony to the truth and the reality of the gospel message. You and I need to stay convinced of the truth of God's word. That's what helps you and I endure whatever we have to face. So a church that is contagious cares enough about the people to help build into their lives. That's what fellowship is. So let's meet together as church, because it's good for us, it's good for the church, and it's really, really good for our world. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank and praise you for the gift of the church of the body of Christ that you have built that you have planned and you have brought together thank you for our local body that's an encouragement to each one of us and has an outreach into the community i pray that you would keep us strong keep us visionary for who you are and what you can do in our communities thank you so much for the responsibility and the opportunities that you give to us to reach out and to touch other people and other lives Lord, may we continue to be a beacon and a light for the gospel message of Jesus. May we always be focused on the essentials of the word of God, of praying, of observing your practices, and of fellowshipping to build each other up. Thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.